Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to The Game, the podcast that keeps playing till the final whistle. Today I'm joined by Patty Barkley, Ben Smith, and broadcasting from beautiful downtown Ripon, it's Ollie Kay. We'll be looking at both the Manchester and the West London derbies as United and Chelsea suffer defeats. We'll have our wonderful quick hits feature, and also in our debate, we'll be taking a look at Stuart Pierce's Team GB. God, I love that word. Team GB just rolls off the, the tongue, does it, ahead of the 2012 Olympics and whether they should even exist. So please stick with us for the next 35 minutes or so. All right, let's uh, kick this one off at Old Trafford. And um, actually, in fact, let's kick this off in the night between Friday and Saturday. It's 36 hours before a huge game. Uh, you know you're starting by that point because the manager has told you. Uh, Patty, if you were in Mario Balotelli's position, would you invite three of your mates around to the house and start setting the bathroom on fire? <laughs> Not exactly, but I mean, I think it's greatly to his credit. Uh, footballer stays in 36 hours before big match. The actual nature of his uh, night in was, uh, you know, probably uh, less acceptable to a football manager than uh, watching television and eating a full packet of biscuits. But, you know, what the hell, it was a detached house, nobody was endangered. It's a bit of a pity that the public purse will have to foot the bill for the fire brigade coming, uh, but by and large, this was just a piece of relatively innocent stupidity. Ollie, no harm then, and uh, he did pretty well on the pitch. He did exceptionally well on the pitch. I, I, I've been um, I've been a, a Balotelli sceptic from his, for his first um, sort of 14 months in, in England. I mean, obviously he's got talent, but it was, uh, it was a case of Sort of even beginning to threaten to harness that talent, he didn't begin to look worth the uh, the hassle last season. But I mean, he's still got this uh, sort of slight loose cannon streak about him. But it, but most of the trouble he's attracted this season has been silliness, or it's been off the pitch rather than uh, the kind of indiscipline that, it, that we saw on the pitch. And his, his, his performance yesterday was really intelligent, good, instinctive. Composed, both in the way he took his goals and and in everything he did, I, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was. Well, in other circumstances, he, he would have been the man of the match. But I think um, there were two or three players that were even better, not least Silva. Well, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll talk about Silva, uh, Ben. What, what struck me was, um, and I'd like you all to chime in on this, is that you know, we were sort of used to to Mancini playing a certain way, and logic dictated that you're away from home at United, you've got the lead that. 
you know, you go and you play uh, more defensive, um, and then you go and, and try to nick something if, if, if the opportunity presents itself. Instead, he, he played this, um, I guess you'd maybe call it a 4-4-1-1 system, which is strikingly similar to the 4-4-2 system that we're told is dead, with, where, you know, he had Barry and, uh, and Yaya Toure uh, sitting deeper, uh, Silva and Milner nominally wide, but with license, um, and then Aguero in behind Palotelli. Uh, I mean, is this... Is this one situation where Mancini got it tactically spot on? I think he did get it absolutely tactically spot on. I mean, I think he he looked at his side and I think um, man for man could see that he pretty much had the better players in almost every position. And I think when you match up against a team like that and you get it so tactically right, then, you know, you... You know, even in, although United had a lot of the ball in the first 20 minutes, City always looked more dangerous when they broke. And I think as the game wore on, even before Evans got sent off, they they had the penetration. They had they had the, you know, they were moving the ball much better. And when they got into the final third, they looked yep. really dangerous. And I think Mancini did get it absolutely spot. The main thing wasn't the form, formation so much, and and Ollie, who was actually at the game, would be able to advise us on that. But it, it looked more like four two three one to me. But who cares? The main thing that what he did uh, was to pack the team with players who had hurt uh, United. Ollie, uh, you were there. You could actually see the entire pitch. Um, was this was this different? Was, and, and how? Or was it really not that special? It was more a case of United being very poor. Uh, I think it was a bit of everything. I, mean, I, I, I thought City were very much in control of themselves and, 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 and the way teams were, things were going in the first half. I mean, clearly they had periods where United were on the edge of their penalty area, but but City were dealing with it fairly comfortably. I think if that was, um, you know, uh, if you know to to um, use Ferguson's assessment of Liverpool the week before, uh, United didn't create a chance, did they? I mean, they, they, they were they were sort of in the final third, but they weren't really creating anything. And then City took the lead, and from that point on, I don't think anybody in the ground really would have thought that. Yeah. that City weren't going to win their game. I mean, they they looked a better team. They looked in control, and they looked capable of hurting um, United every time they crossed the halfway line, which they're, was they're an nine, awful lot of times. Nine at the back and nine up front, City, and that's <laughs> the mark. That is the mark of a good football team. They've, they've got numbers spare yeah. all over the field. But I think the defending it, was it, was excellent. It was, and I think you know the midfield area that we've we've talked about before yeah. is really where United slipped up again. They just they just. You know, you look at the stats, and and there are some illuminating stats about tackles made in in the United midfield. I think, um, as Ollie said to me this morning, I think it was Darren Fletcher had one. Um, you know, Anderson had one. They just didn't get near the ball. I, I was hoping to praise City a little bit longer and talk about some of the individual performances. I thought Yaya Torre was exceptional. We uh, mentioned Silva James, and, and Balotelli. Mil- Milner, Milner, absolutely. What a player. Uh, Richards and with, Gareth Barry as well. Richards ended up with the man of the match. But uh, you guys all seem to be just so uh, uh, ferocious in wanting to get stuck into what United did wrong, especially the very aggressive Ben Smith here to my left. Uh, Ollie, do you have something left to say on United? Uh, sorry, on City? Or can we move on to dissecting why United were so poor? David. Silva is just absolutely incredible, and I thought it was one of the best um, performances I've seen from a player in the Premier League, in a flair player in the Premier League for a long, long time. And he was, 
he was just exceptional and um, he's the type of player that United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, all these teams must just wish that they uh, they had a player like that because he's uh, he's he's exceptional. All right, um, I'm going to move on to United, and I, I gotta I'm going to read this this quote, which which I found shocking, and for the privilege of spending a little bit of time with with, with Sir Alex Patty, you you've written a book about him, Ollie, you're, you're up there, you see the guy all the time, um, but. I've never heard him say anything like this, um, and it just seems so out of character, certainly since he's been at United, where he complained after the game. He said, quote, we just kept attacking. Um, it was crazy football. I thought with the experience we've got, Rio Ferdinand, Patrice Evra, that they would defend more, but we just kept attacking. Sometimes there has to be common sense about it. Now, my question here is 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 twofold. One is... Can you guys remember the last time that he went and he had a go at singling out two of his own players, senior players, at that? And two, what's he trying to say that at three nil down, they should have just tried to keep it tight and and, and end it at three nil? Well, I've I've known him since he was at Aberdeen, and I can tell you that there is only one remotely comparable instance. It was after the Scottish FA Cup final of 1983 when Aberdeen won the cup but played in a, a, a way that reflected the fact that they'd had a heavy workload including uh, a European Cup Winners' Cup final against uh, Real Madrid which they'd won uh, but had to go into extra time on a boggy pitch so they were very leggy and uh, he didn't actually single out he criticised the team and he apologised for it the following day but he he um, he didn't actually single out players except that he praised Miller and McLeish for playing well and thereby I suppose condemned the other nine but no you're quite right that quote that you've just read out uh, Gab was unique the criticism of senior players is one thing, but the acceptance that they should just say, right, we're 3-0 down, lads, let's just shut up shop and but take this. is that this. what he means, or are we all misreading this? No, I think he is. He described it as, uh, in another interview as suicidal football when they were pushing for another goal. And, I mean, When you're 3-0 down, you've probably committed suicide well, already. Well, exactly. Yeah, That's my I mean, point. Is it, is it really any better that, just to say, right, let's let's accept a 3-0 defeat? I mean, Ferguson accepting defeat doesn't does, just doesn't uh, add up to me. I've never, never known him lie down and say let's just take this lads we're, we're happy to lose by this many one more big question just to wrap this up which which I was really surprised at and uh, Tony Cascarino in the Times reporting this morning that the reason Nemanja Vidic uh, wasn't even on the bench for this game is because there's some behind the scenes anger uh, from Sir Alex uh, maybe stepping back into his vindictive god of the Old Testament persona um, where he's, he's annoyed that he played for Serbia before playing for Manchester United when coming back for, from his injury now, I find this extraordinary. I don't, I, again, this is, I mean, Cascarino has his sources. I, I haven't been able to confirm this, but what strikes me here is that we're talking about a player who, A, has just retired from the national team for the benefit of Manchester United, uh, a guy who is still Manchester United's captain, um, unless I'm not mistaken, and also a guy who bizarrely, there were all these interviews with him in the, in the Sunday newspapers, at least the Sunday papers I read, um, there were these big... Nemanja Vidic interviews talking about the game. Do we have any intel? Was this a last minute thing? Was it something that was coming and and Sir Alex decided to be to be sort of sneaky? Said, "Oh yeah, here, go go talk to the captain over here before telling us about this game because I'm not going to play him anyway, and none of you guys will realize that." I I think. uh 
if this if that was the reason that Sir Alex Ferguson left him at, yeah, I mean, there is some suggestion that it's because he wasn't physically or mentally in the right place to to be ready and play in a game like this. But he was so right to play. He was physically, and mentally right to well, play. Well, no, the I agree. I mean, if he has left him out because of some, um, you know, he's some kind of discontent with what he's done with Serbia, then he he shot himself in the foot. I mean, because Vidic, as you say, is, is a captain and a leader at the heart of the defence and a kind of player that United cried out for yesterday. And Johnny Evans looked completely out of his depth even before he was sent off Vidic in there would have made a difference would he Would he have made the difference I don't think so but if Ferguson has done this because of some dispute or, or, or some as I say some discontent with what Vidic has done in the past week then it's madness in my view Ollie, how's this one going to play out? Um, well I, I, I did also hear a, a, an alternative version of that I, I heard that um, it was related to you know to to the Serbia the game but but that he'd come back not in the right condition not in the right frame of mind after Serbia were knocked out that he was emotionally drained and that um and that he um you know that that had shown in his performance in Europe where he'd been sent off and that he was deemed in need of a in need of a break now that was from more of a um let's say op- apologetic united uh, source than um than um that, that maybe from Tony's uh, information, so um, I, I suspect the truth is somewhere between the two. But um, I mean, let's be honest, United have seriously missed him. I know people have gone, uh, you know, crazy about how good Phil Jones is in the first half of the season, and, uh, and Chris Smalling has had some great performances, but the defence as a whole looked an awful lot better well, for the last five seasons with Vidic in it, and uh, I'm sure you could also say with Van der Zaar in it, but, I'm, but I, I would say um, that De Gea has uh, really suffered for the absence of Vidic in front of him. Moving on to uh, Queen's Park Rangers and Chelsea, obviously at some point we will be discussing Chris Foy, I think it's pretty much inevitable. Um, I want to start with with something else. I want to start with QPR, actually, though, because this is their first win of the season, um, and it came about in in the most bizarre circumstances, man. It did. It did. It was a it was a very strange game. Um, it, it was a, an incredible game to watch, but and a lot a lot of big decisions, which I actually think Foy got ninety nine percent of them right. Um, but Chelsea. Uh, gave the referee the chance to influence this game in my view I think David Luiz's um, shove for the penalty was reckless it was careless I, I, I think it it kind of smacked of a defender who perhaps isn't quite as canny as someone like Cavalio was. Chelsea would have, you know, he would have found a way to to, to prevent them, his man from getting away, but he wouldn't have given away the, the penalty. But but QPR, they, they deserve credit. I mean, they, they do they? they. Well, yeah, I think they do. They came away with a victory where where no one would have given them a chance. Now the manner of it is is another thing. You know, they 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 were hanging on with with a two man advantage in the second half, and Anelka probably should have snatched a point at the end. But but. The fact of the matter is, they've come away with a victory. However, it's done. However, it you know it's not pretty, but but three points on the board is is probably what what is all that matters in this case. We say it's all that matters. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm 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 wrong on this, but you know I I know Neil Warnock's there's been a little sort of campaign it's almost sort of like the alternative Harry Redknapp like the old school English guy and, mm-hmm. and he's now Mr. Nice Guy again uh, and, and we all love him well I'm not aware of that I haven't read anything that would correspond with that but you don't read much Neil Ashton do you but um, I not as much as I'd like <laughs> but, but I, I don't understand you're you, you have the lead you're at home mm. you're 11 against 9 
I mean, make the pitch big, keep the ball, and have the bulk of the possession. Chelsea had more possession than QPR. And, I mean, Chelsea, I'm not going to suggest QPR didn't deserve to win. Mm. But how does that how does that happen? Well, I think QPR were, wanted to defend the edge of their box. Uh and they were hoping Why would you choose to do that? Where you you defend the edge of your box with a two man advantage, you, you give away free kicks and Because then... I felt I think that they felt that uh that they weren't equipped with the midfield players who could actually grab a hold of it um from Chelsea and, and you know the scoreline would indicate that they're right. It might have been one all with uh, the Anelka header, no no doubt about that, but I think they'd have settled for one one before the game. Um <clears throat> bear in mind also, I think Ben was right uh, in everything he said. I think he was right about Foy's performance, which was ex- outstanding um, in difficult circumstances. Um, I, and I think he was right that, that Chelsea played technically uh, technically very well, morally, <laughs> the pits. But uh, technically, uh, they gave a magnificent demonstration of how you play 9v11. So... Uh, uh, you know, Q- QPR will feel that uh, will feel that the end justified the means. Uh, nope. They were physical as well, um, but they were physical not in such a sneaky way as uh, Chelsea were. And I, I thought that in particular Lampard's uh, attempt uh, to win a penalty was an absolute disgrace. Um, and I think that if you know the one percent that where I think Foy got it wrong was that he should have given Lampard a yellow card. See, I. I... By Ali, I, I I disagree with Patty. Um, you can have the dividing vote. I thought it was a penalty on Lampard, and I think it was also it was also an incident where, where David Luiz was collared in the box and chucked to the ground. And both Ben and Patty, with their Neil Neil Warnock posters in their little bedrooms at home, uh, uh, forgot about that. Uh, um, am, am I wrong about this? I think the um, I think those those two penalty um, the two Chelsea penalty appeals were were two of those where there's the slightest uh, grapple or, or something in the box and, and the guy throws himself to the ground. I think I think like the Basinga red card. Uh, I thought that was more. I mean, given that Wright Phillips was in full flight, I thought I thought that was. Um, more the kind of thing that would knock you over than, for example, the um, the David Luiz one. I mean, I, I, I thought Chris Foy had a really good game. I, I, I'm not. Um, I, I didn't think QPR were terribly good tactically in the second half. I thought they were lucky to get by. But um, I think I think for Villas Boas to, to slaughter Foy in that manner, I thought was really unimpressive and, and, and disappointing because I think Villas Boas is better than that. But Paddy, he came out and, and he said it's three straight games where we've had uh, negative decisions go against us. Yeah. Uh, he he said, you know, we're also competing for the title. We deserve. I think he said we deserve more more respect. <laughs> it's it, it is a. I mean, it's coming from the Mediterranean myself. It, it is a, a very sort of Latin viewpoint to yeah. it that the bigger teams should get a little more respect. And yeah. that when when you know he said, I don't. I hope there's not a pattern here. Yeah. Uh, those are strong words. And you know, before we came on air, I can say this. You, you know. Jose Mourinho very well, having written a book about him as well yeah. uh, as Sir Alex. <laughs> uh, to get started on Andre. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's both one. But were you? I mean, do you share Ollie's disappointment, or maybe yeah. is it maybe a bit necessary for Villas Boas to yeah. sort of remind people that he's here? Because 
you know, the club's not going to speak up because no. there is no, you know, nobody, no. there is no leadership at the club above him. No. I know because nobody speaks about it. And I think he feels maybe a little bit, a little no, bit isolated I, here. I think he should have couched what he said in in more sensible terms. Um, he could, he could, he he did sort of he reined back a little bit and said, "Listen, I know uh, we'll get the decisions back later in the season." That's all he needed to say. Um, to criticise this particular referee at that particular time uh, was ridiculous. Um, in the, um, you know, as, as we said before, before I had a good, uh, a very good game. I think also that Villas Boas is always at pains to say, "Don't call me Mini Mourinho. I'm completely different. I have a different philosophy. I'm different in every possible way from Mourinho." Well, we, we, we saw yesterday that that mask has now slipped. He is Mini Mourinho, um, and I think. I think anyone who calls him that from now on for the foreseeable future will be entitled to you know, cite yesterday in evidence. I'm going to I hold you to that. The next manager who complains about a referee, I, you will be obliged to call him Mini Mourinho. No, no, then, no, that's no, the only no, thing they have in common. No, I think given all the other similarities, Gab, which I think even you, uh, allowing for the rough and tumble of debate, wouldn't deny. And there's just only one tiny little point in which I'd like to correct you, uh, that um, Evelis Boas is in fact from the Atlantic rather than the Mediterranean, but apart from that. <laughs> I nice stand talk. corrected on that point. Now, uh, one other thing on this, uh, which that, that, w- that we should mention, and I don't think this wouldn't have even made it into the old school mainstream media, but it, it was out there on, uh, on on Twitter and and on the internet. Um, there's video of uh, of a very angry looking John Terry during the match. He's clearly shouting at somebody, and uh, somebody. Uh, I would assume not a professional lip reader decided that um, his words of abuse also contained uh, racial. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. ...abuse. Um, and they started doing the rounds on Sunday afternoon. And it got to, got to the point where John Terry had to issue an official denial. Uh, and he's, he's quite angry. Uh, Patty, I just want to get you on this because what, yeah. what, what what strikes me here is, you know, is the fact that well, obviously the world has changed because um, now it's you know it's individual users who can who can spot a story uh, and or, or a potential story and, and upload it. But mm. the incredible thing here is that, to my knowledge, there's been no complaint from from any Queens Park Rangers player or, or nobody. It is simply somebody looking at video and deciding that those words contain mm. racist abuse. Now, how should... Did, did Terry do the right thing in coming out and denying it, or, or is he giving oxygen well, to, to a non-story? I, 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 there would, there would have been two views on this. I, 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 it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good question, because my instinct is to ignore what you know idiots say on Twitter. Um, uh, but in this case, because the... R A phrase was used. 
um, no doubt he felt, you know, if I don't respond to it, I might be accused of taking allegations of racist, racist abuse lightly. You just can't win in this. Um, but I wish we didn't have to discuss it because I would stake my life that John Terry did not racially abuse uh, Anton Ferdinand. He did, however, kick him off the ball. And that's something that I would like the FA to be discuss- uh, to be investigating this morning because there must be film of it. And the referee missed it. Um, um, in our view, we, we took a decision last night, having seen the, the video, to ignore it and, and not include it in, in the game today. Good. Well done. You know, um, having left the, the, the office, then John Terry's statement comes out and <laughs> that suddenly becomes something you've got to get into, into a, a line in a story somewhere. So having been ready to ignore it, it suddenly becomes more of an issue where it probably wasn't one in, in the hours before that. I just hope this isn't something that uh, we end up seeing every single week. Moving on to our debate. Now, I, I can think of a few things in this country which seem to be uh, less loved than the idea of a, a unified uh, Great Britain team at the 2012 uh, Olympics. Now, part of the reason for this is that the uh, well, Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland have got it into their heads that if there is a unified uh, team representing the United Kingdom, um, then FIFA will say, "Aha! Look, you guys can all play together. You don't need to. Uh, you don't need to be independent uh, um, FAs, and so we will take those privileges away from you." Uh, Patty, you're nodding along. I guess you're, you're assuming you agree that that's the argument. Um, no, no, I've, no. There are many more arguments against. What other arguments? The, the there principal be? argument is that it is a fundamental principle of sport that teams must be selected on merit. This, um, obviously, the most serious example of this came during the apartheid era, where sport uh, eventually stood up against the apartheid South Africa and, I think, contributed towards it. Now, this is infinitely more trivial. However, the same principle is involved. When England... In, 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 in Great Britain, or the United, United Kingdom, to be more accurate, there are four separate football countries. Now, you may not agree that there should be four, but there are. And the, in this case, three of the four want to have no part in the Olympics for various reasons, some political, some cultural. But either way valid. They have said, however, to England, they have absolutely no objection to their national flag, i.e. the Union flag, being used as part of the badge for an England team. At, uh, and that England team would have been picked on merit, as opposed to this team, which will be picked uh, basically on the, you know, the, the have circus acts like Beckham flying in and being paraded. Okay, but that's got, and, sorry, the Beckham bit, that's got nothing to do with... With, with the unified team no, or not. No, I mean, but it, you will have, you will have um, uh, Scottish people being uh, picked not on footballing merit because Great Britain is not an entity. It, 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 it will be treating a serious international football competition as if it were a testimonial match. And I'm profoundly 
um, against that. Um, and I think well, isn't it like that for every nation in the world? Because it, it's an under twenty three side with three invitational spots, and and people often you know it's only like people go and pick the three best players you could possibly pick. The three overage players are often sort of representative players or players who want to be rewarded, players who want to be there. I mean, it's like that for everybody. It's got nothing to do with with uh, with Scotland, Ireland, or Wales. No, if if you were to make the footballing entity uh, Great Britain, I mean, it would be very unpopular. But if you were to do that, if Great Britain were to join FIFA and become an entity in the way, let's say, that Europe has become in the Ryder Cup, that would be different. That would be absolutely different. I don't think many people would support the team, but you could try it if you like. But th th that isn't the case. There is no such thing in footballing terms as Great Britain. OK, you could have a Europe team to play in a testimonial match for fun, but uh, and that would be all right if you wanted to commemorate 150 years of Wembley or something like that. That's, there's no harm in that if you want to have a bit of fun. But this is not fun. This is a serious international football tournament. And the uh, English FA are uh, showing insufficient respect to it. I don't blame them because they're under intolerable pressure from the British Olympic Association and the local organising committee to do something that they shouldn't be asked to do. Well, that's oh. the point. There is a, there's a very good reason why Great Britain have never entered a football team into an, into the Olympics before and, mm. and why suddenly, uh, obviously, we're hosting the Games and, and there was a, a view that, obviously, we should be represented there. Ollie, I think, uh, um, as you know, we've got, uh, as you know, Paddy Scottish and, uh, um, as I just covered here, Ben is a uh, uh, part Glaswegian. So um, as somebody who's probably the most English one here, can you please um, shed some light on, on your view on this? I mean, there's all these arguments. Isn't it really just about the fact that they don't want to... I mean, Jim Boyce gets to sit on the executive committee. Jim Boyce from the Irish FA. Are, are, are we kidding that all these privileges, which which the, the four home nations enjoy, uh, that they're worried that FIFA might use them as a pretense to take them away? Well, I think one, one thing that has come about in the last year or so is, is this growing feeling, certainly within the English FA, that, that the, whatever um, privileges that the FA and uh, the home nations counterparts have had aren't really worth it. I mean, they don't really gain any power. They're, the source, they're a source of resentment uh, rather than uh, influence. So, um, you know, I, I, I could see... Um, England almost re approaching a point where they think, well, it's not worth uh, protecting almost. But I think for the for the other nations, it, it is a completely different um, consideration. Yeah, I, I, so I, it's, I, a, it's for somebody wanting to protect their own little patch and their own base of power, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but the, the, the only one who's got uh, any power at the moment and, and, and any influence and, and the uh, bit nice big expenses account is Jim Boyce. The, uh, no, no, no. The, the, the Wales sit on the international board. They get to decide the rules of the game. Remember last time around when they had the argument about replay and that, that weirdo from the Welsh FA comes up and says, like, whoa, well, every fan I know loves the fact that the referees get things wrong because then we can discuss it in the pub. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, maybe every rugby fan you know since you're Welsh. But, you know, I... I, I 
I, I, seriously, on the on the basis of the rest of the world, this position is frankly a little bit untenable, right? You want to make the argument you can be on the international board uh, and you're special because you invented the game? Fine. That's an argument for England and for Scotland, okay? Uh, unless somebody can come forward and tell me that, that, that uh, Northern Ireland somehow invented the game of football as well, and you're more of a historian than I am, or, or indeed Wales for that matter, where football's not even the biggest sport, then, then fair enough. But as far as I know, England and Scotland, if you really want to go down and break down countries, they invented the game. Mm -hmm. uh, there are 18 FIFA members who are not sovereign nations, right? Uh, 12 of them are overseas, sorry, 10 of them are overseas dependencies, you know, places like New Caledonia mm -hmm. and, 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 uh, um, and the Cayman Islands and whatever else. And you can understand the point there because they're far away from their home nation and whatever else. That's not the case with the home nations. Mm -hmm. Two of them are Hong Kong and, uh, um, and Macau. And you can kind of see the case there because they were independent FAs for a long time and they've just recently been subsumed into China. And also Hong Kong and Macau have far more independence than Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland do. Uh, the other two nations are Palestine and uh, uh, Chinese Taipei or Taiwan. Mm. And we know why, because those are basically sovereign nations, is simply that there's security councils, vetoes, uh, which are preventing them from doing that. Mm -hmm. What is the special case with, with, these, with these four nations? I, I mean, if somebody would come make an argument to you and say, listen, you want to have your own FA? Mm. Well, then when the referendum comes up that Alex Salmon keeps talking about, just vote for it, mm. become independent, and then you can have your own FA. Is that an unreasonable argument, Patty? The reason they exist, it's a historical quirk. I think it um, it's generous of the rest of the world to, to do it um, and, uh, and should be much appreciated. Uh, I don't think we should throw it away just for the fun of it, just to be neat and tidy and bureaucratic. Um, and I think it, 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 is a, it is a great privilege that we have, particularly in terms of the international board. I think you're right to say that it doesn't really affect the power politics. We get a, a, a vice president. We don't actually get a member of the executive committee, but we get a vice president um, who, you know, uh, is the sort of puppet of the month. Um, uh, the, the latest one happens to be Jim Boyce. Uh, there was one, there was a Scottish one called David Will, now unfortunately deceased, who, who was a, a genuine contributor. But what you'd like to say, I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity, like you, to meet David Will yeah. uh, before he passed away. I would like to think that a football administrator like that yes. would have got on the executive committee and become a vice president regardless because of it his is. quality, not because yes. he was Scottish or because, you know, they somehow get a buy into the vice presidency. Yes. Yeah, yeah that, that's fair enough. Um, I think that, that, the, that the four home nations should use their um, privileges with, 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 you know, decorum. And, and, and I think, to be fair, that, that they have. Um, so, you know, it, 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 I can't understand what the problem is. We have been given a nice little privilege as a, as a prize for having invented the game. Um, why can't we just say thank you very much and carry on with it? I, I just can't see the, the, the issue here. Um, if, 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 I mean, it's all very well, Ollie saying, oh, England must be getting sick of the whole business. But the point is, if England tear it all up, they'll be tearing themselves up as well as Scotland, Wales and, and Ireland. They, they, they won't just suddenly abolish football in these countries and FIFA recognise England as being indivisible from, the United, uh, from Great Britain. That just won't happen. The, the, the English will then become responsible for football in the whole thing and they will deeply regret it. It would be the biggest mistake they'd ever made. Ollie? I'm more interested in the Olympic issue, really. If you look at the situation for last, last week, 
Stuart Pearce is, is saying, well, if we want Scottish players to play, we we think they'll play. And and you, you look at sort of you look at it from the point of view of Charlie Adam or Darren Fletcher or, or whoever. And there's this sort of very strongly worded statement of this is what we've told them. They this is what we've told them. This is what our fans want. And uh, I think it puts them in a pretty impossible position. So I I would be surprised if any Scottish player agrees to sign up for this. There is I, a further point. There is a further point that this uh, the Olympics, uh, uh, quite apart from the dissing they do of just about every other decent feeling and uh, an institution in the game, it's also disruptive to the English Premier League. Uh, the, the God not- forbid something should disrupt the English Premier League calendar. Well, well it, it, it certainly would, and it would do so in an unfair way. It would not only uh, be, uh, it would distort competition in the league. I mean, for example, the notional squads that most people have put out contain a, a, a large number of Arsenal players, including Kieran Gibbs, Aaron Ramsey, because he is Welsh, and so on. And um, if that were the case, Arsenal would lose a huge proportion of their squad just uh, in the vital part of pre-season preparation and for nothing. I'll tell you exactly what should happen. It should be the England and England under-21 team. The best way of rescuing something out of this nonsense is to pick a squad of 20, one promising player... One player of relevance to the 2014 World Cup from each of the 20 English Premier League teams. That should be the squad that Stuart Pearce manages. It would be fair to the to the English Premier League, or it would reduce any potential unfairness to a minimum, and it would also give the team a footballing purpose. All right, how about some quick hits instead? Robin Van Persie scores twice as Arsenal defeats Stoke 3-1. Uh, Paddy, it's the Gooners' sixth win in their last seven games in all competitions, and they're up to seventh place on the table. Are you ready to say they've turned the corner and will qualify for the Champions League as long as we see no more of Marwan Shamak on the pitch? All I can say is that for a team who is supposed to, a club that is supposed to lack mental strength and fortitude, their response to an 8-2 defeat at Old Trafford has been pretty impressive. And if Man United can respond to humiliation at Old Trafford with six wins out of seven, I think Alex Ferguson would be very happy. So you're not concerned that they, that they lack a British spine. Interesting. Liverpool dazzle for long stretches, but then are held by Norwich at Anfield. Ollie, what's the problem this time? I think the problem was that they they failed to take their chances in that in that very uh, well a couple of very sparkling periods um, in the first hour or so when Suarez was playing so well. Suarez is a fantastic footballer, but his finishing is sometimes uh, fairly wayward or fairly erratic. And um, I think I think they just need a bit more composure. But um, once they uh, once Norwich attacked them, they they, they suddenly looked vulnerable in attack. And it was sort of vulnerable in defence. And I think. Liverpool are, are where you would expect them to be, fourth, fifth, sixth. Raphael van der Vaart also gets to a Spurs win at Blackburn, 2-1. Ben, what will happen first? Spurs to break into the top four or Steve Keane to get sacked? I think uh, Keane is on very dangerous ground. Uh, the latest information suggests that the board who were at one time backing him are no longer quite so sure. And uh, they play Norwich at the weekend if they lose that then I think we'll see Keane go. Spurs don't play till Monday, so Keane's out. Sorry, steve 
Wolves go two goals down at home to Swansea, then huff and puff and get back to 2-2. But with an 0-2 scoreline, Molyneux turns on Mick McCarthy for his substitutions, only for Barnsley Mick to be proved right. Patty, moving beyond this, is it ever acceptable to boo your own manager? I suppose you could think of circumstances, but uh, they certainly didn't occur at Molyneux at this weekend. What uh, and, and I think it was a, really, it was a, an exposition of what's gone wrong in the interactive age. When I hear the word interactive, I reach for my gun. I don't interact with my surgeon when he <laughs> tells me I need my appendix out. I go under the knife. Um, and uh, Wolves fans should trust uh, a good and knowledgeable football man to, for, 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 for them to be chanting you don't know what you're doing at a man who clearly does is utter impertinence Aha this might be a, a first we've just compared Mick McCarthy to a surgeon Johan Kabai scores the winner as Newcastle defeat Wigan 1-0 Ollie, are there three central midfield partnerships in the Premier League better than Teote and Kabai? Well, there probably are, but it would almost be pedantic to say so. I mean, the, the point is that you look at Manchester United's central midfield and they've got five international players and they don't seem to make uh, be able to form a, a successful, uh, convincing, authoritative partnership between a lot of them. Uh, the same of Arsenal, you might say. Um, you look at Newcastle and they've got two guys who are very talented, who've come from French football from very little money and uh, who are producing quality and authority and, and turning Newcastle into a, a very decent team. Aston Villa go a goal up against West Brom and then lose 2-1. But they weren't helped by uh, Chris Hurd's red card. Uh, ben, what was that all about? I think the linesman saw thought he saw something that didn't actually happen. I think Hurd got his his foot caught in a um, Olsen's shirt, tried to uh, set it free, and in doing so, it looked like he may have kicked out at him, which he didn't. But um, I, I think I would be amazed if it isn't overturned. Gab, anyway, one for you. Barcelona dropped points at home to Seville. Fascinating day in La Liga, I thought, with uh, Real Madrid thinking they'd got the leadership with that fabulous 4-0 away win. Anyway, Barca kept playing to the end, got a penalty, which was saved. So what was your analysis of the game? Why did Barca drop those two points? Well, I noticed that you suffer from big club syndrome because you're not asking me about the team who are top in La Liga right now, Paddy. Okay. Levante. But to be fair, you did ask me about them last week. <laughs> so I will give you that. So Barcelona. No, I actually thought this was one game where uh, the Seville goalkeeper, Javi Varas, just transform himself into Superman, saved everything in sight. I, I know there's going to be the doom and gloom and inquests and the messy missed penalty, but I thought Barcelona could have scored a bunch of goals in, that, in the match. Uh, Seville went out there, they packed the box, they made it very difficult for them. Barcelona still created the chances, they just couldn't put them away. Uh, Leo Messi at the end, I think he was definitely jarred by, by what happened, by sort of the scuffle with Canute knocking the ball away and whatnot. And, uh, and hey, the guy's human. He missed a penalty too, but I, I think it's... Um, I know that this is something that's going to have a long-term impact on Barca. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Game. In the meantime, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis. Also, our web chats. You can get involved online and fire some questions at uh, well, at myself on Tuesdays, Patty on Monday, uh, Ollie on Wednesdays. you got Graham Spears and Matt Dickinson at the tail end of the week as well. Don't forget, a whole bunch of us are also on Twitter. And also, we've got our live podcast event this Thursday, October 27th. I believe tickets are close to being sold out, but please do check check at uh, timestickets.co.uk. You can find out whether uh, there's any left. We'll be back next Monday with all the best of the weekend's action. Till next time, to the loop.